Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Greg Luck. Greg is Chief Executive Officer of the Pickwick Group. Hi, Jono. How are you? I'm very well. It's great to have you on the podcast and uh, thanks so much for joining me. I guess first off the bat, can you uh, share with everyone a little bit about what you do and, and your role at the Pickwick Group? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I'm the new kid on the block here. I've been here for about 10 weeks so far. Uh, I'm the new Chief Executive Officer of the Pickwick Group. It's a, it's a great Australian group of companies uh, operating in the facility sector, uh, facility services sector. Uh, about 40 years it's been in place, 40-year history and operations covering all of Australia and New Zealand. And I'm excited to expand on their reputation for quality and service and build and lead a team and with transformation and innovation at its heart. So it's an exciting time. Yeah, that's awesome. They're lucky to have you in the role and uh, and I'm sure vice versa. It sounds like a good fit. Um, so now that you've told us a bit about what you're doing at the moment, we'd love to hear some of your story. So as you look back even to even as far back as childhood, you know, uh, what are some of those moments along the way that have really shaped you becoming the leader and the person you are today, Greg? Yeah, sure. I guess uh, the earliest formative moment was when I left high school. Um, straight out of school, I became an apprentice mechanic. And uh, I was actually quite a shy person, lacked confidence in the early days of my working life. But uh, during those formative years, I had two great mentors that gave me confidence as a young guy and, and backed me, most importantly. The support I got from them helped me to win some professional competitions for my trade, which in turn grew my confidence to then take a leap of faith into my first leadership role at the sprightly age of 21 years old. And it's a classic baptism of fire moment <laughs> when you're thrust into the role to manage people twice your age. You, uh, you learn a lot about uh, emotional intelligence and the need to work as a team <laughs> and you either embrace it or you let it beat you. And I guess over time as my experience and confidence grew, I took the opportunity to relocate to new cities and countries and take on new roles. Uh, supported by some close mentors, each role was larger than the previous and constantly stretched myself and always out of my comfort zone. So when I look back over time, but my first executive role was with Ford Motor Company and that uh, fantastic organisation. They provided tremendous developmental support and experiences and leadership. And fast forward to today, the journey since then has spanned about 20 years for other large enterprises, all in completely different industry sectors. Lived on three continents and led teams in across 30 different countries. And I guess over that time, there's been many moments along that journey that have shaped me and there are many people that I've that I've learned from. There are a few key leaders, though, that stand out, and mm -hmm. um, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Laurie Blaker, the former CEO and owner of a company formerly known as TTI Global. She's, yeah. she's certainly on the top of the list. And, uh, you know, looking back at Laurie and how she helped shape my uh, leadership style, Laurie is one of those people that is a personification of an authentic servant leader. 
you know, through actions, she not only gave everything for her team, but she also gave just as much to developing the communities we worked in around the world. You know, a true selfless, innovative and inspiring person. And I was so happy for her when she was awarded the honour of the Oslo Business Peace Business a Business for Peace Award, or more commonly known as a Nobel Prize for Business. Wow. In, in doing so, she joined the ranks of previous winners like Elon Musk and Richard Branch, and I really do put her up there as, uh, mm. as equal to those people. But um, you know, having been back in my home country in Australia now for about five years, I'm finding that my leadership experiences of working across the spectrum of companies and emerging, developing and mature markets has been you know, very beneficial as many of the skills are transferable, helping me to add really real value to the organizations and teams and clients that I serve. Yeah. I guess at the at its core I've become a lifelong learner and for forever curious. There are still you know, many moments that will shape me going forward and I'm excited by the opportunity to keep learning and growing. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And uh it's actually surprised me how often in the podcast uh, this idea of being a lifelong learner and curiosity, keeping an open mind has come up as uh, like I, I knew it was important, but something I've probably learned from the podcast is that it's even more important than than maybe I gave credit for. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to Laurie, I want to ask you about Laurie uh, because I, I always enjoy hearing people tell stories about great leaders they've they've been able to work with. Are there any stories that come to mind that really do uh, represent the great leadership that you just described, like any moments with how Laurie managed certain um, certain situations or seasons that you were you were there and, and that come to mind? Yeah, sure. I mean, she was, she was an incredibly trustworthy and authentic person. You know, she would always roll her sleeves up and help out no matter which level you were in the company. But probably the biggest influence is you know, it, was, it was a for-profit company you know, as a commercial organisation across 24 countries. Um, she, you know, in her early stages, she was thrown into the CEO role from her father's unfortunate passing in his early 50s. Um, it was literally a company that was started in the garage um, in the US, in Detroit. And uh, she, she was thrust into an environment in her early 30s where she was all of a sudden running the company and she was able to take it to new heights and you know her own leadership journey um, you know she, her formation as a leader came from her her struggles as well and and always look for mm. uh, advice and, and other people to support her in that but and when she did achieve uh, great heights of success you know um, she didn't have to do it but she was always developing other people so with Laurie we we produced uh, created some philanthropic um, activities in Kabul and Afghanistan, in India, in Mexico, and it was all about pe uh, getting people who were less fortunate than others into into a job. You know, so when you look at uh, we we created a, a training centre in Kabul to try and get uh, women uh, into the workforce, so culturally in Afghanistan, and this is in the height of the of the um, Afghanistan war, trying to get them into work and it was culturally not right but um or a challenge i should say um you know, so just even taking those steps uh, goes to show the type of leader that she was yeah absolutely what did you learn about i i can imagine there'd be leaders listening going hmm that's 
you know, maybe there are leaders who have done really well and been able to not only survive COVID, but even thrive. And, and they uh, have been sort of wondering what, what's next a, as a leader and maybe the idea of expanding and doing um, some philanthropic sort of work or creating an initiative that's really close to their heart might be on the radar. From that experience, what did you learn about how a for-profit business and business leader like yourself and, and Laurie as well, like what are some keys to creating successful uh, sort of not-for-profit initiatives uh, when you're dealing with other other continents, other locations, you know, other cultures, other languages, any, any keys you'd share there? Well, I think that the, certainly the trend from a governance standpoint for the most recent years and it's gaining, um, uh, gaining momentum is the concept of ESG, you know, environmental, social and governance. So it's, it's certainly at a board level uh, trends that everyone needs to be focused on. And it's, it's not just a case of, uh, I don't see ESG as something that you have to do just because everyone else is saying you have to do it or it becomes a, a, the latest governance flavour of the month. You know, really giving back and having a place for your company in the world and honouring the principles behind ESG and being authentic about it is not just uh, makes you feel good as a company, it, it actually delivers bottom line results, bottom and top line results. Um, so... You know, people who are very successful in business and have the capacity to undertake philanthropic activities, great if you can do it, absolutely give back, right? Because at the end of the day, every business serves the community. And if, uh, if, if you're serving all parts of the community, whether that be uh, diversity inclusion, uh, people with disability, indigenous, you know, all these folk uh, act and buy your service and products. So if you're not supporting the communities within within which you work, um, uh, you know, it, it, it limits your uh, capacity and success as a business, I believe. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, I think it's really key. And uh, what, what about when it comes to leading authentically? I know you described Laurie as that sort of leader, but for people listening who you know, sometimes, uh, once again, at a different point, there might be people who've finally done a 360 degree. They've heard, they've listened 10 years. Oh, I really should do that. You know, they're maybe they're 40, they're a CEO, they do it. And something that comes through is you're not always uh, authentic or transparent and, and people get, you know, I know what that's like, you're, oh, you know, how can I be more authentic, more transparent? Well, what advice would you give particularly from your experience working with a leader, like you said, like Laurie, who, who did that so well. Any advice you'd give around how to lead like that? Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, it's at a simple level. You say what you're going to do and you do what you're going to say. You know, um, the words are one thing, but it has to be backed up by actions. You know, and, and, and a great example of that is a book by um, uh, Simon uh, Sinek, Leaders Eat Last. Uh, it, it, it talks about, it's one of the earliest books that uh, I was given, and it's a, it's a book that I try to gift to most others where I have the opportunity to do so. And it's the job of it's the job of leaders to do our best to create cultures where people feel loved, safe, and fulfilled. The best companies understand the value and the values of the people that they employ, and they start with the premise that our leadership mm. is there to serve the employee, not the other way around. Yeah. The book by Simon you know, shines a light on the path towards building a business that can provide a more stable human environment that benefits all employees. 
and that's the kind of business that uh, we should be interested in building. And it's, it's why I often gift a book like this to other inspiring leaders. Um, it's a real definition of what servant leadership is, and I think that's where the authenticity mm. really comes from is that action-based uh, approach. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's and that and that's the number one takeaway for me from you know more than seventy um, interviews on this podcast with great leaders. Uh, it's come up more than anything else. Is exactly what you just said that that great leaders don't see their people as as being there to serve and support them, but they actually see their role as supporting and serving their people. And for me, the most helpful takeaway because sometimes that can feel a bit abstract, but I think even just thinking of your executive team for, for leaders in larger contexts, just thinking of your executive team and thinking, how can I support them? What does it look like for me to turn up tomorrow and support them, move roadblocks out of their way, um, invest in them, uh, you know, make a difference in their day? I think sometimes just those, just starting with your team that you lead with, you don't want to end there, but starting with really going to work with us with a thought of how can I support and serve them is, is a good way to make something that can seem a bit abstract actually be practical. Yeah, exactly right. You, you, as a leader, I think you need to get out of your team's way. If anything, you're removing blockers that prevent them from being their best. You know, you're, you're only as good as the team that you have and the team that works with you. Um, and you know, as a leader, I'm, I'm a very big one in, uh, in, in making sure you get out of their way, but you, you make sure you uh, let them be the best they can possibly be and remove barriers to success. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some, some great thoughts there. Any stories from your more, uh, I guess, recent years of leadership as you've been in different cultures? It could be from your time where you were working with Laurie at TTI um, Group, but any any other stories that really remind you why you do what you do that uh, that were those sort of key moments where that really stuck with you as, as an important moment in your journey as a leader? Yeah, actually, it's when I, uh, when I actually resigned from TTI, sort of ironically, <laughs> uh, was one of the um, hardest but decisions of my life, but also um, the easiest decision of my life. And I'll, I'll explain that. So. Um, my um, my father, who had a disability late in life, you know, I'd been travelling a lot over the years and, and wasn't able to be back in Australia to support and uh, he was in the, the final stages of his life. So, you know, I couldn't handle that from, um, you know, being able to support him from sitting in Detroit in the US. So I, I just literally gave up everything. And um, uh, but it's, uh, it was a hard decision to obviously leave Laurie and what we were doing at TTI Global is fantastic company. Uh, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, family is is number one. So coming back, and I guess I, I learned uh, uh, from uh, from both her, and it was a difficult time. But uh, you know, we you come back and you take care of those that you love, etc. So, and I managed to. Um, uh, come back to Australia and, and, and spend some quality time with uh, my father before he passed and uh, uh, was able to lead a fantastic team at uh, Health Employment Training, which was a, a non-for-profit organisation in the disability sector. So, you know, I had some lived experience in that space. It was a brand new sector to myself and um, uh, just the ability to change people's lives um, in through not-for-profit activities. Mm. Um, the most disadvantaged in our society was in it was incredibly rewarding 
and uh, and something that I'll never forget. And we had a fantastic team there, and and time has moved on, and, uh, and now I've got an opportunity to you know, transform and 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 disrupt a, a completely different industry again. So yeah, uh, it's exciting times. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. I think um, sometimes we. You know, when we're chatting about leadership, we share stories of an amazing triumph, a business triumph, how we, you know, and uh, and those are important and they're part of the journey. But then I think it's it's good to share those moments where you've had to make maybe a challenging decision from a business perspective where there was a sacrifice because of your personal values. And, uh, and I think that's what great leaders do. And, um, yeah, I just think that's a really, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that story and being vulnerable with our, with our listeners to share a little bit about that part of your life and, um, and, uh, what a, I, I see that as really courageous and, uh, decision and, and, um, you know, putting, keeping the main things, the main thing, you know, and, and going, this is actually going to be worth it. Spending, giving this up is going to be worth being able to spend that time uh, with my dad. I think that's, that was yeah, a lovely story. Thank you. So let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got uh, a few questions. I won't ask you necessarily all of the questions I sent through, but, um, and I've got a couple of, <laughs> a couple of extra ones, which, um, which I don't think I put in the list for you there, Greg. So, <laughs> <laughs> No worries, hit me. Yeah, you let me know if I. You can. You have permission to let them through to the keeper if they're ones I didn't prep you with. Okay, <laughs> to use a cricketing term for all of our um, for all of our uh, international listeners. Okay, firstly, you mentioned leaders eat last. Um, are there any other books that you think of um, that have been books that you've gifted to others at different times? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, there's, in terms of complete books, um, you know, there's a little, some of Jack Welsh's uh, early early books, etc. But not not a specific book. Um, I, I I do definitely like the insights that uh, McKinsey's McKinsey Quarterlies provide. Um, I find them incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great recommendation, McKinsey Quarterlies. Thank you. Uh, right now, are you in the middle of reading or, or recently have read any great books or any great podcasts that you're listening to or maybe a blog? You mentioned McKinsey Quarterly. That's fantastic. Anything else that you're just right now really enjoying? Yeah, I've just um, um, part way through a book by uh, Adam Scott, um, a, a, a book called Think Again, uh, incredibly insightful. It talks about how to get out of your own way when you're, when you're thinking um uh, and expanding the mindset that's a great one um a great podcast uh which i listen to quite regularly is a is a, a friend of mine is the no bullshit leadership by marty moore <laughs> he's a great local uh, brisbane leader who in the space of three years went from a cs ceo at cs energy to uh, having a wall street journal best-selling book and podcast wow two million downloads worldwide incredible achievement and yeah where I met Marty, Marty and I were part of the same uh, CEO Institute syndicate group, uh, which I'm huh. still part of. Yeah. And I remember him discussing his idea and brainstorming with us how to develop his podcast and share his leadership insights with others. And yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a, it's amazing. I can highly recommend his podcast. And he just got a book out and uh, right. it's now the uh, Wall Street bestseller as well. Amazing. It keeps it simple, practical, content's digestible, relevant. And you know, what Marty's been able to achieve is inspirational, not only from his success, but yeah. through what content he provides has been able to achieve in developing and helping other leaders. So, 
Yeah, yeah, great. That's a good one. That is a good one. Thank you. Great recommendation. And um, another another Brisbane, another Brisbane boy, uh, <laughs> another <Okay>. Brizzy local. <laughs> love it. We love pushing Brisbane. I always joke that I'm waiting for my Tourism Queensland um, sponsorship, Greg, because I'm always raving about Brisbane. Although recently, to be honest, I've been doing equal measure of New Zealand because a few people have mentioned New Zealand and um, it's got nothing to do with leadership, but I feel like New Zealand's gotten a massive plug the past couple of years. So equal measures, Brisbane, New Zealand, it's all beautiful down this part of the world. That's got nothing to Absolutely. do with leadership. So <laughs> I'm not expecting you to have any. Uh... <laughs> Greg's top 10 places to visit when you come to Brisbane. Maybe that's another podcast we do. Um, what about a, yeah. <laughs> what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or you've been reminded of? Yeah, probably reminded of, uh, I guess, over recent times in this new post-COVID world reality. Uh, I've been reminded about the criticality of communication, trust and culture, the three big ones. Now, when these three items are not present, it eats at the very fabric of organisational momentum. And I find that yeah. in an organisation, momentum is everything. It's, it's hard and takes time to create, but when it happens, amazing things occur. But it's equally hard to keep the momentum and leaders are responsible to keep it. It's about everything you do every day. It's in every action you take how present you are and every word that you speak. But the key point is that it's not only about what you say, as I mentioned earlier, it's about what you actually do that is most meaningful. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your podcast audience have their experiences where organisational success has been significantly inhibited as a result of poor leadership in these three areas. So, you know, it's, it's a constant reminder that unless you have communication, trust and culture, Everything else is um, irrelevant in some ways. Yeah, I like those words as well because um, communication. Uh, one of my one of my favorite um, episodes I've done recently was uh, Matt Abrahams from Stanford U University, who has a great podcast called uh, "Think Smart, Talk Fast." I think it is. Uh, it really, really like very popular well-known podcast and and um, we talked all about communication and wow I just took so much away from that and um, it just reminded me of when I was chatting with him you know how sometimes you say something out loud and then you think I hadn't really thought that until now until I've actually sort of been able to talk it out with someone and as Matt and I were chatting I was just saying how often like the number of times I am working with a leader or with a team and uh, or with a with an organization where there's a big there's a bunch of fires and big issues going on and as you drill down and really try to just get in there and, and help you see that at the core of it all was just a handful of miscommunications and the solution often when you look at it you go well there's lots of other things at play as well sure but the key thing is if people just communicated um uh, you know, really focused on communicating better and more effectively across the whole organization. So much of this, which has become expensive and painful for lots of different people and stakeholders, wouldn't have happened. Absolutely. And then the, pay, the pace of change in business, you know, the quickening, as everyone talks about, you know, uh, is, requires communication skills at its core because people just won't keep up. Um, they'll get frustrated, they'll move on, it drives retention issues. Um, but as, as equally, 
uh, it, your business performance relies upon everyone being aligned and everyone aware of what their role is in the, in the purpose of the organisation and the communication is, is critical in that. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any communication go-tos that you have, um, I guess, when you think of how what you've learnt as a CEO in terms of communication, are there any things that jump to the front of your mind? I know I didn't ask you this question in, in the prep, but is there anything around communication that's that's just a, one of the real keys for you in what it looks like, particularly as a CEO, to lead communication well and to lead by example in that area? Yeah, look, it, you know, you've got to you've got to always paint the vision. You've got to paint the plan. You've got to paint the uh, the the. the the job role of an individual person in relation and their role in, in, in delivering upon that plan or vision, et cetera. So it's that inclusive communication style. And, and yes, you have your executive team and you constantly communicate with them, but it's it's how do you, you've got to get the communication down to the, well, to the front line, not down to, you know, I, I believe in the inverted organisation. Um, which uh, most listeners will probably be aware of. Um, and uh, you know, how do you get that message out to everyone? And I guess COVID was a great example. You know, I can remember the first couple of months of COVID where the business was just changing so rapidly. We were, you know, the stakeholders in the organisation, which, which uh, the clients we were serving, changing minds and compliance requirements every 24 hours. And a, a great uh, a great tool that we used at the time was, you know, obviously the virtual meeting process, but we were recording almost, uh, you know, twice a week videos, interactive Q&As with everyone in the organisation saying, okay, this is what we're doing for the next two to three days. And it required a bit of a sort of a command and control approach, which was a little bit foreign to me um, in many ways, because I don't sort of operate like that. But in some cases, you know, you look at situational specific leadership traits, um, sometimes these things have to take place in order to get clear lines of communication, get everyone pulling in one direction. So um, as a result of that um, experience the last couple of years, I've, I've found myself over-communicating to everyone in the organisations that I lead and, yeah. and people have really enjoyed that and I'd, I'd like to continue personally to continue to do that because... Everyone comes to work, they get out, get out of bed every day, they come to work and they just want to do the best thing they can for those around them and the companies and the purpose that they serve. And unless they're fully fully aware of what's happening, um, you know, you tend as a person to get frustrated and unaware of what you have to do each day. And, um, mm. you know, I think that that can inhibit an organisation's success. Yeah, I agree. Communication, trust, and culture, uh, three very important words when it comes to leadership. Uh, so this is one of the one of the questions I didn't tee you up with. So feel free to uh, to to do a very gracious leave, as we call it, and uh, in cricket down here in Australia, a game that's very frustrating to many Americans and others around the world because uh, it goes for up to five days. Now, uh, <laughs> do you have any favourite <laughs> questions? Are there any Greg Greg Luck? questions that when you're in a one-on-one -on -one with uh, one of your team when you're in a team meeting um when you're meeting with a stakeholder that you if you think about it you go yeah I, that is a question i tend to ask quite a lot 
um, you know, I'll give you an example, which is for me, this is a simple one. I always ask um, the question, can you unpack that for me? And I don't know why that's just one of my, that's my favorite. Tell me more version. That's the John O. White. Anyone who's ever worked with me will have heard me say that. Hmm, yeah, that's really interesting. Can you unpack that for me? Um, and uh, I didn't make that up, but that's one of my favorites. Do you have anything like that? Doesn't have to be that simple. Could be about in any sort of context, any questions that come to mind that you ask a lot? Sure. Um, what problem are we trying to solve? Oh, I, like I ask that. that from a customer centricity standpoint. Right. Um, if and no matter what business you're in, you have a customer, right? Yeah. And if you don't have a product or a service that is solving a problem for that customer, then you are forcing your own product and service in the way you perceive upon them. And mm. any business, any way I've tried to operate, um, uh, if, if you start with asking that question, what problem for the customer are we trying to solve? You can't go wrong, is what I've learned over time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next question. Let me ask you this one. What's a great piece of advice you've received? Yep, keep it simple and to the point. Uh, because at the end of the day, verbosity can be an inhibitor. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know what, I, I, where did I hear this? I think it was in, um, there's a great marketing book. It's very, very direct sales sort of marketing, uh, but there's some wonderful principles that, uh, that I believe uh, are really significant in, in the psychology of, of, uh, of how we think and, and, and how we feel when we're making decisions by a guy called Russell Brunson. He's got a series of books, uh, .com secrets, expert secrets, and traffic secrets and uh, they're probably the best books on marketing I've ever read in in my opinion and because it's an area I'm really passionate about anyway he mentions in these books the stories uh, a particular story that in the 2016 election in America I think it was 2016 they uh, they did there's a particular um, there's a particular sort of framework they can run language through to see what grade level that language is uh, I can't remember what it's called but he mentions it in the book and they took Donald Trump and a few of the other Republican candidates and they ran their speeches, um, a number of their speeches through this framework. And uh, one of them uh, came in at um, grade nine level. A couple of others came in at grade eight level. And I think someone was at grade five level. But one of the things that stood out, remember this isn't in a negative way, but actually in terms of getting getting through to people and um provide was was Donald Trump's language he used in the in his speeches was at a grade three level and that they make the point that when you're communicating to the masses in particular so the larger and larger your audience gets but I think it's it's something for us to keep in mind within organizations as well definitely when we're customer facing um is that we you know if you look at the news and this is what he talks about in the book I think they do the same thing in the news. They focus on making their language about a grade three level because that's what we get used to consuming as an average. And so the problem is when we think we're really, or maybe we are really smart, you know, you're really smart and you're speaking at a grade 11 level, you you feel really smart, but you lose a lot of people because that's not naturally how we're consuming information. And that just blew my mind. I never would have thought that 
effective communication at a really large scale would actually be better at a at a lower grade level um you know which is really just saying simple words yeah keep it simple i mean you don't have to oversell things um now i guess the you know the uh, of the donald trump example is is one in itself but you know when you're in a leadership capacity when you when you're trying to either sell a strategy or bring people along for a journey um you know storytelling is incredibly powerful but don't overlay too much noise in what you're trying to the communication you're trying to get across what we're really mm. talking about here is effective communication yeah what is the definition of effective communication keep it simple to the point wrap a, a story or a case study around it so that it displays what problem you are trying to solve with it um you know, I find a lot of people, mm. and I used to be this way years ago. You know, you used to try, you, you over talk, you, you add way too many words, but you're not focusing on the, the core thing that you're trying to get across um, because you don't know that your audience understands everything that you're trying to say. So, yes, you've got to bring the masses across. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that I've found challenging is the idea of really trying to. To, to make one point a lot of the time as well. And just just that idea of it's not always, it depends on what you're communicating, but particularly if you have a short time, just being really aware that if um, if I only have a short time, what's the one, like what's the one point I really want people to say? I remember um, working with someone who's a fantastic writer. She's actually a brilliant copywriter and her background is journalism. And she, she gave me this hack, uh, which she had learned when she was a journalist, uh, which was to always take anything you write and then ask yourself, uh, and, and then rewrite it, starting with, <laughs> with the phrase in your own head, uh, what I'm really trying to say, or, or what I mean to say is, and then rewrite it. And it's funny, it's, but it's really helpful to, you say something, you write something, and then you go, yeah. And so what I'm really trying to say is, and then you reword it. And it's funny how much that helped me to actually uh to actually rewrite things and go yeah that's way clearer the second time the first time i thought it was clear but once i started actually using that phrase and rewriting paragraphs and phrases when i was doing uh writing i found it it, it really helped me to uh to communicate more clearly yeah what about a movie or tv show that really impacted you doesn't have to be serious we've had uh golden girls ally mcbeal seinfeld <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um uh i like i like moneyball ah yes the, uh, the, with brad pitt in it the story about the oakland a's baseball team um and the reason why i like that is because it shows uh, a disruptor in the industry right because yeah. um you know um it was a, if for those for the audience, you know, I remember Oakland A baseball team, a successful attempt by them to build a winning team on a lean budget through the idea of employing thinking that was outside the industry. So to me, it demonstrates disruptive thinking and how avoiding the it's always been done like this mantra mm -hmm. is at the heart of um, progress, progress, revolution. Um, evolution, call it what you want, use whatever adjective you like there. But yeah, yeah, it's um, it's similar to yeah, you know, uh, one of the quotes that I like um, uh, very much in terms of uh, uh, you know the um, 
uh, or was it the electric light was not invented, did not come about by the continuous improvement of candles? <laughs> I've never heard that. That's brilliant. <laughs> and that's, you know what I love about that quote as well? If you'd said to someone before electricity and you'd showed them a candle and you'd said, what do you, like, what what can we do to take this to the next level? Then this is this is a problem with disruption based on talking to your existing customers as well, is people would have just said, I don't know, can it burn a little bit longer, a more wax, um, a taller candle? What material could we use for the candle? And uh, you're right. That's, oh, I've never heard that. That's made my day. <laughs> yeah, so we're in a world of disruption, as we know. And, um, you know, you look back, we're only, what, 10 years ago, we had the iPad. Yeah, I know. That's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, isn't it? It's uh, uh, one of my most recent um, podcasts I recorded was with Guy Kawasaki, who used to be, uh, who was there um, at Apple um, in those initial days. He's now the chief evangelist of Canva and, and has a podcast. And so we were we were actually chatting a lot about this, about how do you create products and services that are truly what your customer needs and not what your customer tells you, which will always be, um, <laughs> using the candle analogy, a bigger, a bigger better uh, candle for cheaper. <laughs> but to actually, yeah. and, and he just talked about, why uh, Apple was such a unicorn in the ability to continuously invent the next thing in the past, you know, to go from MacBook to um, to iPod to iPhone to iPad to, you know, just these ideas that weren't just another bigger, faster, better, but actually were the next revolution. Um, you've, you've um, I, I really appreciate your experience in this because it was interesting chatting with him about uh, from a tech perspective, but for you, are there any keys, any advice that you'd give to leaders on how to facilitate and lead disruption when you're in a company where you need to push the envelope and and uh, work out what electricity might look like for you in, as a company rather than <laughs> just improving the candle? Absolutely. I'll, I'll always start with uh, the front line. Yeah, so I joined this company 10 weeks ago, um, just before Christmas, and the first thing I did was uh, get out on the front line with the, with the teams to see where the magic happens, so to speak. And it's, in, it's incredibly empowering what you find out and what you learn um, from the folks who are delivering on the front line and talking authentically with customers, you know. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not from this industry at all. Um, uh, the reason, and that's the reason why the board um, of, of Pickwick Group um, decided to uh, give me the opportunity to uh, join this fabulous company. And um, you know, some I'm not, I'm not. Um, I guess uh, I don't have any legacy in this industry, so I'm asking the curious questions. Every question that I yeah. ask is curious. Mm -hmm. So if you want to innovate. And, and disrupt, um, I guess, uh, at, at its core, you must, whether you're from an industry or you're new to an industry, it doesn't matter what it is, if you understand the customer, what problem you're trying to solve, but you remain forever curious, no matter who it is you're talking about, even asking the seemingly dumb questions, but be really, really curious and yeah. The amount of innovation that's available within the teams you already have is quite astonishing. 
Mm. Um, you know, as a leader, you know, if you go in saying, well, I know everything about this industry, so therefore I'm a CEO that, you know, I know everything, I'm going to solve every problem, that is completely the wrong way to approach leadership. You know, yeah. Leadership is about building, bringing people along and, and, and maximising their ability and their their insight, their innovation. Mm. Um, you don't, if you expect that you have all the answers, you know, I've, I've seen you'll, you'll fail in leadership. So remain curious, connect with everyone and every stakeholder that the organisation serves and um, you'll be amazed at what can, what can be achieved. Yeah, I think you make a, a great point there. Um, it's funny, isn't it, how counterintuitive so much of leadership is. I definitely, when I was growing up, would have assumed a great leader is a great talker. And yet the more uh, the more I learn about leadership, the more I learn that the, the greatest leaders are, are, you know, much better at listening. They're, that's their real gift, you know, more than, even more than how the, how well they might talk. And it's the same with You'd think the greatest leaders have this bunch of people around them and who are all serving them and supporting them to do amazing things. And it's no, actually the best leaders are the ones who come to build teams around them who are smarter than them and then say, how can I serve you and support you and, and support people all the way to the front line. And I like what you just said there because it's the best leaders don't come in and tell everyone where to go and how to do it. They actually come in with questions um, and rather than being the smartest person in the room, which maybe naturally with our egos is uh, for a normal person, normal human with some insecurities, it's it's accepting, to, you know, to actually ask the silly questions and create a culture where um, we can make mistakes, we can ask silly questions because we need to be, and, and we can listen more than we talk and, and get on the front line with people who are doing the, the real work and find out what's really going on, um, even if, um, even if it doesn't look as shiny in the short term, because that's where the true uh, growth happens, and that's true leadership. Yeah. That's very good. Well, I have one more question for you. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Yeah, Leadership is not about others serving you. It's about you serving others. And we've talked about that um, a lot today. Um, maintain humility, celebrate the wins with the team that work together to achieve it, and be their support in the darkest hours. And you know, I've had some great mentors in my life, and so I'd say to them, get some mentors to help you. Listen and never stop learning. That's what I would say. That's pretty good. <laughs> No, that's great advice. I love that. And I think um, I think uh, I just get excited thinking about, yeah, particularly young leaders who might tune into this podcast. And, and I certainly wish I had uh, been able to hear from, you know, leaders like you, Greg, and, and many others I've had on the podcast. When I first started leading a team, I feel like this would have been really helpful for me. So I know there'll be young leaders out there who hear that and, and young and old alike. It's a good reminder. Um, so, so that's fantastic. Uh, for those who want to connect with you in terms of LinkedIn or Twitter, is there anywhere online they can follow you or find out about Pickwick Group if they've listened and they're interested or, or maybe even they're in uh, Australia or New Zealand and, and interested in, in getting in touch with you about what you do as a company? How can people contact you? Yeah, sure. Just jump on to the best way is jump on the LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me, uh, Greg Luck, CEO of the Pickwick Group. 
pretty easy to find me. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, love to hear from you. And if I can help in any way, happy to help. Yeah, thank you. That's wonderful. Very kind. Well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Great episode today. Wonderful stories. Really enjoyed uh, the recommendation of, uh, of, you know, and what definitely one of the best leadership recommendations of a movie or TV show, Moneyball. That's so true. I, I had never thought about that as such a good example of disruption. Um, and uh, and it really is. It's a brilliant story from that perspective. It's a good movie as well, but uh, a great link made by Greg. Uh for those, uh, for listeners, don't forget, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and Leadership Question of the Day. So they're two other podcasts that can invest in you and your leadership if you're looking for some more opportunities to to listen and, and, and to grow as a leader. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Greg for being so generous, uh, for sharing those stories and just some really wonderful advice that's ticking around in my brain right now. And um and I think that's a great sign that it'll be the same for a lot of listeners. It'll be challenging in the best sort of way for all of us to go out and, and lead a bit better uh, today than we did yesterday. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Greg. You're welcome. And all the best to your listeners. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders and, you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders, and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time 
And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.